0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Thursday, June 16, 2022. Greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio. My name is Randy Kentrell. I'm your host here. The website is LeaningTowardWisdom.com. Uh, too much talk lately about finances and money and no. Okay, good. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to do it some more. We're going to talk about cash flowing life uh, and other ruminations. it's in the early morning hours and already 84 degrees your buddy summertime is here and we never get used to it ever complain about it vigorously all summer long it's okay though as long as the air conditioner continues to work okay cash flowing life let me tell you what I mean by this, because some people seem to be confused based on some feedback that that I'm getting. Retirement, let's get this out of the way. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. No intention, no desire, no dream. Uh, n- not going to happen if I can have any control over it at all. Meaning, I'm never going to not work for income. Now there's two prongs to this that need to kind of be explained, I guess. And maybe I've not done a very good job in past episodes where I have talked about this before. I'm rather certain number one, I have no desire to be on permanent vacation. Now I realize there are different phases of, Retirement, but mostly what I hear people talk about, the thing that they most are anxious for is to get up in the morning and do whatever they want to do, up to and including nothing. Vacation. The problem, if you look at it, and I only know this from the experience and the insights of other people, I don't know this firsthand because I haven't lived it, nor do I plan on living it is the vacation phase doesn't last depending on the person and the way they're wired and other things in their life. The vacation period can be really short. It can be a year, maybe two years long. And then it's like, now what many, many, many people have talked to me about how depressed they are after they're in the vacation phase for some period of time. And it's like, you know, how many holes of golf can I play? Uh, How many lakes can I fish? Um, Need something else. Need something else. It may be where financially, it's not a matter of needing income. It's a matter of needing purpose. It has been said, and I guess it's probably true when you think about it, that retirement is not an age, but it is a financial number. And I guess the qualifier I would put on that is ideally, I mean, you can retire and not have the financial number and struggle, but, and many people do, I was reading a story just the other day about some couple and they, they live this incredibly austere life. Uh, they've retired. They don't work. They don't earn money. They, well, that's not true. They earn money. But they earn money from a small pension and various retirement stuff. But they basically retired with nothing. They had no savings account. They had some credit card debt. And they have learned to live an austere life. All of the clothing comes from secondhand stores. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Their living condition. They moved to a a part of the country that was extremely more affordable than where they had come from. And they pretty much have devoted their lives to frugality. I applaud it. I'm not throwing rocks at it at all. So here's a couple get to an age, some circumstance happened in their life, and it's not about a financial number because they ain't got the financial number. For them, it was about the age. And the main thing about the age is at the age, they got a little bit of money, and we're not talking big money. I mean these people are making money that would absolutely positively qualify them for poverty. I mean they they are in that poverty spectrum. But they're making it. But they're making it. And again, I I applaud them for it. But I think I think we can all agree and I think we all get it that There's a number that people hit, and when they hit that number, then it's like, okay, now I can retire. As opposed to, okay, when I get to when I celebrate this particular birthday, okay, then I can retire. It's absolutely the former, not the latter. I don't have any desire for any of that. I I don't even think about any of that. I don't. I, I yes, I read stories and I relate stories like I just did, but that is not my world view for my own life. I don't think in terms of finish line and if I can get to this point financially or age-wise or both then I won't work again I, I I have never thought that I don't think that it's just not how I'm wired you can be wired very differently and that's cool I'm I'm good with it it doesn't impact my life one way or the other and what I do certainly shouldn't impact your life one way or the other we're just having a conversation about it all when I talk about cash flowing life, and in particular, I made a comment to somebody the other day and I caught myself. I made a comment about cash flowing retirement, and all I meant by it was cash flowing these, you know, cl- cash flowing the rest of my life is what I meant by it. I used retirement to just simply signify a, 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 a phase, a stage of life. And I did it because that was the context of the conversation. The conversation was about when we get to this certain age. And so I got caught up and I was just using that vernacular to describe this age. And then of course I had to explain all the rest of this and I'm like, you know, this, this is not that complex. This should not be that hard. But I find that it gets ridiculously hard because when you do get older, as you get older, oh, are y'all retired yet? Are you? Do you still work? Those conversations happen all the time. I get really tired of them. <laughs> um, yeah, there's sometimes I just want to slap the person and like, no, I'm going to work until I die. Oh, you and then people look at you with some degree of sympathy, and I'm not it. I'm not saying it to. <laughs> to garner sympathy. It's just a statement of not fact. It's a statement of desire. Man alive, I'm a broken record about this whole ideal outcome thing. My ideal outcome does not include retirement, it does include better choices. It does include ability to, if I don't want to do it, then I don't do it. And I get that young people all over the globe culturally are talking about, you know, do your own thing and be your own boss. And it, good luck with that. it It is just not a practical reality. And if you can put yourself in a position financially where you can afford to be picky, I mean, come on, there is that phrase that we all know. Beggars can't be choosers. That's true. It's just true. Poverty reduces choices it's just a fact and more wealth and i'm not talking about being rich but i'm just talking about having resources more resources can it can garner more choices yeah, okay well there's a fine line here because now we can get to a point where i don't know this firsthand i'm surmising based on experience with much 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 lower numbers that the impositions on a bill gates on a warren buffett on a jeff bezos on any of these kinds of people i i'm assuming the impositions have got to be crazy i mean crazy to think well these are guys they get up in the morning and man their day is their own contrary contrary. I suspect that they've got a whole lot of bosses. Well, they don't look like bosses, but they are. You got to be at this place on at this time. You have to take this phone call at this time. You got another meeting. You know, that's what their days are like. No, thank you. No, thank you. For me, retirement simply means a phase of life and yes, I'm in it. I'm in the phase of life. Because I'm in the phase of life where typically people are thinking you're retired or you're fixing to be. And I'm like, I'm not retired and I'm not fixing to be, I'm going to continue to work. Why would I not? I've never been better. I've never known this much. I've never been this experienced. I've never had this much insight. I've never had this much. I've never had that coupled with, I still have ambition. I'm still competitive. I've still got energy. I still have drive. I still have desire. There's still a lot of things that I I want to get accomplished that I haven't even begun. Why I there, I have absolutely no motive to stop. None, none. I'm at a phase of life where I had a conversation with somebody in city government just yesterday. And that's a sector that I increasingly am serving because I want to. And I'm thankful for the opportunities, but as we were talking, we were talking about impact. We were talking about the influence and the legacy and and the helping of other people. Unless you think that it was just simply altruistic, no, there we need to be compensated for that because well, we need to cash flow our life. We're going to provide something of value. We want it to be valuable to other people. We can work really hard to make it as valuable as we can. And then let's get compensated for it because we're mercenary. No, because the value's worth it because the impact is worth it. Why would I walk away from that? Why would I be at this phase of life where I've never been better in so many areas, quit snickering. I hear you laughing. <laughs> But you understand what I mean, where I've never been better. Why, why would I stop now? It's like, really? I've worked all my life to get to this point. I've paid all these dues. I've learned all these lessons. I've I've been knocked down and dragged out. And and now I've got something that I can really, I can look at people that are younger than me and I can help them. I can help them not by telling them, hey, here's what you should do, but I can help them navigate it. I can help them I can help them figure it out, which is what I constantly am declaring is my work. My work is helping people figure it out. My work is not figuring it out for them. That doesn't help anybody. What does help people is being a safe person that they can trust, that they know has their back, that they know has their best interest, and is willing to ask them sometimes tough questions and caringly challenge them so they will get better because they can. And because I believe they can, I know they can. I just want them to figure out that they can because it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what they believe. Why would I have spent my life up to this point, getting to this point and then say, yeah, I'm done. You kidding me? I can have the biggest impact These next years, Lord willing, I'm absolutely positively planning on being my absolute best years yet. Will they be? I don't know. I don't know. It's up to me to figure that out, and it's up to me to try to make that happen. Now, enter the subject at hand, cash-flowing life. This is important because of what I've just said, because of the speech I just delivered. Cash-flowing life affords me the opportunity, it will afford me, it is affording me the opportunity to do what I just preached, and without it, I can't. Because without it, I might have to be mercenary. I might have to think about, we, we've got to make a living. So I'm attempting to cash-flow life And to have both of these parts of my life, the income-earning part and that having the most impact in life part, to have those things run parallel and to have them be as congruent as they can be, not distinctly separate and apart, but basically one and the same. That's the objective. There are also some other things afoot, and that is I'm at a phase of life where – There are just some things that you can kind of cash out when you're young. You're really, you know, you're just scrambling for resources and that whole cashing out thing. You sometimes business people have long used gambling metaphors. I don't gamble, but I have been as guilty as the next person at using them. We use phrases like pot committed, meaning we just shove all of our chips into the middle of the table and we basically bet the farm. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about an owner who wants to sell the business and will sometimes say, you know, they they want to get, they're ready to get some chips off the table. They've got these stacks of chips. They're ready to take those chips, metaphorically speaking, and they're ready to go to the cashier and say, okay, here's my chips. Give me, give me the cash. You see it all the time. A business owner starts a business 30 years down the road. They're kind of tired and they, They either have a right-hand person or they find a strategic buyer and they sell out, they've built this thing over time. They've got a number in mind. Some of it is probably going to be based on the assets of the company. And a lot of it's going to be blue sky. A lot of it is going to be, here's the book of business I got. And here's what I think my brand is worth. And if, and that's a big if, but if they can find somebody that says, yes, we agree, then they get their chips off the table. Uh, A local business guy here in North Central Texas in the motorcycle business and extraordinarily successful, I mean extraordinarily successful, uh, he sells out to a family private equity outfit terms have not been disclosed. I can guarantee you it was millions. And he took a bunch of chips off the table. Okay, well what did he take off the table? Well basically he took he took about 80% of his chips off the table because he is going to retain 20% ownership stake in the companies that he built. Good for him. Is it smart? Uh yeah. I if from my safe distance it looks smart. And I guarantee you, he's way smarter than me. I guarantee you, he thinks it's smarter. He wouldn't have done it, but he's, he retains a 20% stake. He's now not saddled with the day to day. He doesn't have to report to work. He can do what he wants, but he's still got a 20% stake in this company. And he clearly is going to care about the outcome of this company. Meanwhile, he's now armed with a bunch of capital. What's he going to do with it? I don't know. He can do anything he wants to do with it. He can be like Huell on Breaking Bad. He can, he can put it all in a skid and a locker, and he can just go lay down on it, you know, like <laughs> Huell and Bill Burr did. It's still a great scene. It's a great scene, just laying on a pile of cash. I doubt he does. Well, he could do that, but I, something tells me he's probably not that kind of a guy. <laughs> something tells me he's probably a little, more, a little more practical than that, but maybe not, I don't know. Cash-flowing life. Here's what it looks like for me. This is the simplest way I know to explain it. You've got bills that come every month. You've either got enough money to pay those bills in full or you don't. Many people don't because many people have the bills that come in every month are tied to some credit card charge. And so they're making a minimum payment and they're carrying insanely high interest rates on the, on the credit card balance. You could do that. That's not cash flowing life. Some people think that's cash flowing life. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I can make my minimum payment. I'm cash. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, if your bill's come in, in a month, and let's say for grins and giggles, your monthly overhead is $3,000. Then you're able to write a check for $3,000. And at the end of the month, you're square, or you're able to write a check for $3,000 and you've still got a thousand dollars left. So you're a thousand dollars ahead of yourself every month, month in month out, you're making a grand because you've, Paid your overhead. You have cash flowed your life. Now, people can get all twisted up about investment accounts and savings accounts and, well, but you've got this over here and you've got that. Yes, I agree with all of that. Yes, you should have money saved aside that's liquid in case the hot water heater blows up. Yes, you should have some investments, whether it's in a 401K, an IRA, a mutual, whatever, but I'm not talking about those forget those. Yes. Ideally we want to have those. And yes, ideally we want those to be significant, but that's not cash flowing life. Cash flowing life as I mean, it is not, well, I've got this account over here. And so, uh, I'm, I'm short, I'm short a thousand dollars this month. So I'll pull that out of savings and bingo. I've cash flowed life. No, not what I mean. I mean income, incoming cash, incoming earnings every month that will cover preferably more than cover whatever my monthly overhead is. That's what I mean by cash flowing life. I'm not defining that for you. You can define it any way you want to. I'm just giving you my definition for how I'm applying it to my life. That's how I'm applying it to my life, my situation. And so that's the goal. That's the objective moving forward. Somebody asked me they said, well, but what about, so, oh, so you just want to leave money to No, I never said I wanted to leave money to somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to put the resources to work. Ideally you should do that as a young person. Did I, I, I put my resources to work by trying to save you're not listening to the voice of, of a brainiac who was able to put resources to work and leverage those resources so that they produced, you know, insane, insane returns. I, I was too busy running companies. I was too busy running business and that sounds crazy and idiotic. And I know, but it's just absolutely true. I was so busy leading organizations, running companies. I, I, I was just, I was just living life. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting here looking at my life as the business. I'm not saying that that's right. And I'm not saying I'm proud of that. I'm just stating the truth. I remember as a young guy, a lot of my peers got really caught up in the long-term rental game, rent houses. Ah, yes, there's the future. Rent houses when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, rent houses, it seems to me now, it was like crypto. It was the crypto of our of our generation. Everybody talked about it. Uh, everybody that that everybody that I knew, they were either in it or they wanted to be in it. Or they wanted to learn enough to be in it. And of course, I'm not saying it's like crypto in this sense, because over time, I don't know anybody that stayed in it. It was like they all all got out of it, and many of them were quite happy that they got out of it. And yet, today, I know people who have done pretty well in operating long-term rental. That is, you have a tenant, and they sign a one-year lease. It's the opposite of short-term rental. Think Airbnb, VRBO. It's not that it's we rent to this family. They sign a one-year lease. We charge them a rate. They want to up the lease next year. Fine. We do at an increased rate, of course. And life is good. We retain ownership. They call us if something breaks. But meanwhile, we own the house. We own the condo. We own the, whatever it is that we're renting. We still own it. They don't. And we're making money. It's not paying the mortgage, it's paying way more than the mortgage or if we're really if we're really good there is no mortgage. It's all cash flow and it's a good return on investment. Is it as strong as short-term rental? No, it's not even close. But it's still a good business model if you can pick it off. However, there's downsides to everything. Yes, they can tear your place up. Yes, they can fall behind in their payment. Yes, it can be difficult to evict them, especially during the pandemic. So it is not without risk, but getting out of bed is not without risk either. So there's that. So I hope that clarifies the whole cash flow thing. So the objective is to cash flow. Now, there's a second component to this, and that is that getting those chips off the table because when you get to be my age, you, you do start thinking about this when you're in your twenties, you're not thinking about getting chips off the table. You're thinking about earning more chips so that you can just stay in the game. It's all about being in the game. You, you want to play the game and to play the game, you need income to play the game. You need resources, which when you're in your twenties, thirties, whatever it that's income. I mean, where else am I going to get it? So now, you get to a point in life and you've done that. You put some chips here and you put some chips there and you put some other chips. And now it's like, you know, I, I kind of want to reverse this thing. Now, now I kind of want to get the, I want the chips back because now I want to go to that cashier and I want to say, okay, here's a hundred dollar chip. Can you give me, give me 10 tens, give me a hundred bucks. That's what we're driven to do now. Big, big, big question with all of this. As usual, I buried the lead. Why? Why happens to me all the time? Somebody, somebody says they throw out a number. Uh, I want to be able to charge this much, or I want to be able to earn this much, or I need, I want to sell this and make that. Okay, why? What? What's that number? What does that number represent? Well, that's what I want. Yeah, no, 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 no you've you've now got the hundred dollars you've now that cashier has now you've given them a hundred dollar chip and they've given you 10 ten dollar bills so now you're armed with 100 bucks now what are you going to do and that's what you hear (laughs) most of the time i don't hear anything it's just they've got this number in their head it's like okay well let's talk about what that number represents i mean we can talk about cash flow all day long but we can talk about cash flow I threw out a number of three thousand dollars. I read an article about a, a a couple and they they have not sniffed three thousand they haven't sniffed a three thousand dollar a month lifestyle in a long, long time. I mean they're they're fighting tooth and nail to try to sustain a twelve to fifteen hundred dollar a month lifestyle. I'm talking about lock, stock, and smoke and barrel. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about food, utilities, rent, health care, the whole bit. And they happen to be in a place where their housing cost, their rent cost is about 800 a month. So 50% or more is going to just the place where they're living. So they're hoofing it. Listen, I applaud them, but that's that's not what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of cash flowing my lifestyle. I'm not interested in cash flowing a lifestyle that is quite that austere. I'm willing to be frugal now, but um I'm 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 hoping to not be in a position I feel badly for them. How can you not? I'm not faulting them. It is what it is. I applaud them and and what they're doing and the steps that they're taking to sustain it. I'm just not interested in replicating that for myself. Thank you very much. So I could sit here and say I want a cash flow life. Okay, well what kind of life do you want a cash flow? I mean, we're kind of getting back to that. Why the $100 I could say, well, I want to take that $100 chip and I want $100 cash. And somebody else could say, I don't care about $100 cash. I've got a chip over here that's a $5,000 chip. That's what I want. And I could sit there and look, well, that's great for you, but I don't have any $5,000 chips. I've got this $100 one. All of our situations are different. Our circumstances in life are different. Our opportunities are different. Our challenges are different. Our dreams and aspirations and our ideal outcomes are different. Mine are not lofty, but at the same time, put me in a room with this couple who's struggling to live a lifestyle of about $1,500 a month all in. I, I might as well be Warren Buffett, and I'm not Warren Buffett. One man's ceiling is another man's floor and all that. It's true. It's completely true. So what what do you want? I am I'm a dreamer, there's no question. However, I am a practical reality dreamer. There is a practical reality that I want, and I'm at a point in life now where I'm thinking cash flow and I'm thinking resource management and I'm thinking chips off the table. Okay, well guess what you can do? Those of us that own homes, especially if we own it outright, there's probably our biggest asset. Now, what are you going to do? Well, you can sell that, get your chips off the table, but now you're going to have to take some of those chips and put them back on a table because guess what? You have to have a place to live. Where are you going to live? Well, people are people are getting very creative in this economy. Some are going to the RV. Some are just renting apartments for the first time in their – well, for the first time since they were first married maybe. All kinds of options here. Some people, like the couple I've described, that's living this austere life, are looking at, well, here's what our resources are likely going to be on a monthly basis. We can't stay here. Where can we go where the housing will afford us? And that's what they did. Listen, the discipline and the effort that this older couple is putting in is to be applauded. I, I really, there was much about their story that I admired. Uh, but I'm thinking, man, what a struggle, you know, what a struggle, what a, what an anxiety filled life. And uh, no, I don't, I don't, I listen, I don't want it for them. I don't want it for you. I certainly don't want it for myself. And so what can we learn from all this? Well, I think that we can learn, which is why I did that episode about what's your relationship with money. I think it's so important that we figure that out first and foremost. And then we just don't get caught up with all the comparisons. The mistake that we make because of all the internet technology that tracks our every move, you Google one time, you Google anything to do with any of this, and you're just going to get inundated. I mean, it's like everywhere you look online, there's all these suggestions. And for me, like I read this article about this couple and the next thing, you know, I'm, you're just blitzed with article after article, story after story of here's what the average person at 62, here's how much they've got or better yet, here's how much they don't have. Uh, here's what the credit card debt is here. There's just all these comparisons. And I know what we do because I I'm guilty of it. We sit here and we look to say, well, where, where do we fall? In this grand spectrum of it all, where do we fall? And we kind of hope that we're at least average or or median. <laughs> and sometimes we are, and sometimes we aren't. And sometimes we read these things, and, and sometimes I read it, and I think, oh, well, hello, Bill, we're way ahead of that. And then I look at others. You know, you see a headline. Uh, I'm 45, and I've only got $3 million, and I'm really worried about my ability to retire. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. What uh-huh. you've seen these headlines, you're thinking the same thing. I'm 35 and I've only got, I've got half a million in this and I got half a million in that. And I'm, I'm really nervous that by the time I'm 65, I won't have enough. <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what you're again, though. What do they, what does it mean to them? I mean, what kind of opulence are they looking for at 65? Maybe they could be looking for something very different than what I'm looking for, and that's fine. I, I applaud them. But just the questions that are asked some of these retirement experts and financial gurus, it just amazes me that, wait a minute, so you're smart enough to have accumulated and acquired this kind of money, more money than I've ever accumulated, and I don't fancy myself to be an idiot. I don't fancy myself to be a rocket scientist, mind you, but I'm not a moron. And I'm sitting here thinking it's just a moronic question to me. I mean, it's just like the person that accumulated that can't be that stupid, but I've learned, listen, I've experiences has taught me that I'm wrong about that. And you and I both know that That's why I have surrounded by com. <laughs> they outnumber us. They've always outnumbered us. They're always going to outnumber us. And sometimes morons get rich. They just do. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. In fact, I'll go you one better. Sometimes I think that those of us who, who've who got a degree of wisdom and smartness, it works against us. It absolutely works against us. There's something to be said for a little bit of naive stu- stupidity of just not knowing. Right? And sometimes you and me we just we just know too much <laughs> we know too much and it defeats us you know i'm right i'm absolutely right i stand by it i will make no apologies for it cash flowing life getting some chips off the table having the resources to fund your dream there's the rub to fund your ideal outcome. What do you most want to make happen? Let's forget the age. Now, granted, a lot of this happens later in life because, well, we've spent our life getting chips, adding chips to the table, trying to make money, and now what are we gonna do? Well, if you're like me, I wanna continue to do that. I'm not wanting to take all the chips off the table. I'm wanting to continue to add chips to the table, but, and it's a big but, I need resources to fund some other things. So when I can ask somebody, okay, now you've got a hundred bucks, you got a thousand bucks, you got 5,000 bucks. Now what, why do you want the chip off the table? Many, many times people can't answer that many, many times people will admit they just feel like they should. They feel like they're at an age where that they just should, they just, they just need to get it off. the Well, it, is it at risk? It's not at risk on the gambling table unless you've gambled it. To merely sit at a I've, – I've been to Vegas plenty. I don't gamble, but I understand the game well enough to know that if I've got stacks of chips in front of me, those chips are not at any risk unless I toss them into the middle of the table. That is, unless I gamble them, unless I risk them. Okay, so you want to get chips off the table. Why? Gamblers usually want to get the chips off the table because they're ready to move on to a different game. They want to play at a different table. They want to go to a different casino. So they want to cash out at one place to get to another place. Okay, well, do you want to do that? Because I do. Huh. Not not a gambling table, not a casino, but there there is some geography involved. There are some housing conditions involved. I don't want to I don't want to be in, I'll just be blunt. I don't want to be in the house I'm in. I love the house. I love the street, I love the neighborhood, I love everything about it, but I'm at a stage of life where I want something different now. And in order to do that, I need to get the chips off the table. Got anything like that? I know some people and they've got all kinds of dreams and all kinds of aspirations, and guess what? They need the resources. To fuel and fund those dreams how are you going to do that in some cases you can say well I can earn enough okay how long will that take you 10 years 15 years but what if you've got an asset aka a house paid for you've got an asset and you could sell that asset you could turn that you convert convert that to cash and now you can take that cash and you can help fund your dreams Listen, we're seeing it all over America. It's happening. It's absolutely happening, especially in this real estate market. It is happening. It is what people are doing. It's what I'm intending to do. Will I be able to do it? I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. So cash-flowing everyday life, here's where the two intersect. And you've seen this. I hope you have not experienced it. So, you cash out. Now you've taken this resource and you've made it liquid so that you can fund your dreams. But you've got this lifestyle and you're accustomed to this lifestyle. And you're not in a position to cash flow your dreams. But you've got the resources to cash flow your dreams. Well, better yet, said, you've got the funds now, the resources to fund your dream but you don't have the cash flow. And meanwhile, you got this lifestyle. And so now $3,000 at a time per month for my, for my example that I've been using. And now we're taking that war chest, if you please from taking the chips off the table. And now we're funding. Well, we're funding our life. We're not funding our dream. We're funding our lifestyle. Yeah, no. No, see, I'm talking about the opposite of that. (laughs) I'm talking about not doing that. I'm talking about taking chips off the table to fund the dream. In addition to cash flowing monthly life. Now that's just my approach. You can have your own. There are many approaches, by the way. My approach isn't one that I came up with recently. This approach is the approach I have had my entire life. It's the approach I had when I didn't have any real hard assets other than a job and a decent income. And I'm just adding chips to the table and I'm adding chips to the table. And then maybe you can buy a house. You buy a car, but the car's not an asset. Okay. It kind of sort of is, but it's a depreciating asset. It ain't growing in value. It's diminishing in value. And most everything else that you've ever purchased in life is that way. Well, maybe you're extraordinary. Maybe you've been able to collect something that has escalated in value over time. But most of us have not done that. Most of us have consumed. We have bought things, and the things that we've bought are not worth what we paid for them. I know I don't remember when, but I, I it may have even been in that money issue or money episode. I remember telling you about half price books here in the DFW area, where if the book if the list price is nineteen ninety nine, they're going to sell it for half that. They're going to offer you pennies for it. They're going to buy it right. It's great. It's wonderful. The point being, if you paid anywhere close to list price, you're not getting any, you're basically getting nothing whatever value you extracted was in getting that book reading that book learning anything you could from that book and then whatever intrinsic value it had and you being able to stare at it on a shelf game's over the money spent done asset no not an asset not anymore maybe it once was but you're not getting anything for it now so a lot of moving parts to this, a whole lot of moving parts and any number of things that we could have and didn't talk about up to and including all of my interest in minimalism and getting rid of stuff, which for us includes basically one of three things, selling it, donating it, or trashing it. It's, I mean, it's going it's to fit in one of those three bins literal and figurative and we're really 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 trying to simplify and not only am i trying to put possessions on trial for their life i'm also wanting to shift my thinking slightly okay maybe dramatically and think about future purchases of anything in those terms oh i know i want it right now Why do I need it right now? So I go the other day and I bought some, I I bought a few things that I needed to, to fix a few. I've I've got, I had two dimmer switches that were kind of funky, had one light switch that was kind of funky, had some floodlight bulbs that were burned out. Right. So I get a, I get a few things like that. Okay. Well, these were high, high, high utility kinds of items. These things mattered. And I think all, to, all in, I spent 50 bucks. If I need a tool, so Rhonda had a little bit of a car issue issue, and I needed a certain part. Okay, well, it's not like I wanted to go buy it, but I needed it. The car needed it. 13 bucks, whatever it was. And okay, got it. Do I expect to now be able to take that part off and sell it for $13? No, it's not going to happen. I'm never, number one, I'm not going to take it off. Number two, I'd have to replace it if I did take it off. Okay. So we've got some things that we do purchase like that, that are high, high utility. Then we've got other things. We've got other things that, okay, do we need it? Do we not need it? I'll give you a perfect illustration. I'm doing all these zoom calls and zoom has got this whiteboard feature and I've got a mouse. I just never had any real capacity to take advantage of it. And I found myself in a, in a zoom meeting kind of wanting to use it, but I didn't have, I didn't really have any tool to do that. So I go looking online and I'm like, I am not going to do graphic artist stuff. I'm not going to do anime stuff. I'm not, I'm, I just want something to be able to do zoom whiteboard stuff. So my thought process was uh, who's, who's doing that? Well, guess who was doing that a whole lot during the pandemic and even some still teachers, teachers. Okay, so is there a device that doesn't break the bank because, well, teachers aren't made of money that doesn't break the bank, but that will afford me to be able to use the Zoom whiteboard feature more effectively than using a mouse is virtually impossible. Uh, There's just you just don't have enough fine control. Turns out there is. Turns out there's a device that's under 50 bucks at Amazon. There's this little graphics tablet that has a stylus, a wireless stylus, and is kind of ideal for Zoom whiteboard. I'm thinking, 50, okay, done. Bought it, and it's been sitting here for a month. Oh, I've tested it like twice, but I haven't used it. Okay, I wanted it in the moment. But you and I both know I could have just waited until the moment passed because it evidently did because I haven't used it yet. Now, I'm not saying I won't use it, and I'm not saying that it was 50 bucks thrown away, but it's 50 bucks that I didn't need to spend with a possession that has been within three feet of me since I bought it, and I haven't used it yet, and it's a month old. It probably wasn't a smart choice, but I'm now more intentional I'm thinking, okay, as we get rid of some of this stuff, as we declutter, now can I apply, if I want it, and I think I want it, unless it has some high utility need, like I've described with the light bulbs or the light switches or the part for Rhonda's car, unless it fits that category, why don't you just tap the brakes on it? Why don't you give it a week and see how you feel? And then why don't you give it another week? and see how you feel how about you gave it two weeks I wonder how that would impact my spending I wonder how it would impact your spending if we did that and I'm not an impulsive buyer I don't know if you are but I'm not and yet at the same time I am but my impulsive buying doesn't look like the prototypical impulse buyer who just oh I see it and I want it I don't do that but my impulse just takes a little bit longer (laughs) So I'm like, you know, if I were just to hit the pause button and say, okay, you've lived without this for how long? Well, forever. I've never had a graphic tablet ever, uh-huh. ever. It's my first one, my very first one. And in hooking the thing up the first test, I don't know. I just, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm clearly doing this wrong. And turns out I was, cause I wasn't that if I would have plugged it up probably right out of the gate and man, it was just man, this is awesome. I'd likely feel different and I probably would have used it, but that was not my experience. Do I need it? No. Can I live without it? I have this long. I could live the rest of my life without it, to tell you the truth. But there's 50 bucks sitting within three feet of me that I haven't used yet. Now, partly because I've just told you about it, I'm absolutely committed. I'm going to use this thing. I'm absolutely going to use this thing. But I could have just hit the pause button for a week or two, and I likely wouldn't have even bought the thing to begin with. How many things do we have in our life that if we would wait a week or two or three or however many, we would basically come to the conclusion, I don't need that. What do I need that for? And I think that's all important to consider as we think about cash flowing our life or even considering if you want to. And you may not want to. And if you don't want to, that's okay. I'll just kind of leave you with this, though. The problem with financial irresponsibility is at some level, it does cost It costs us all. Oh, yeah, it costs you more. But we all pay a high price for a lack of planning. And we all pay a high price for our financial or our fiscal. I don't even know so much that it's irresponsibility, but our financial stupidity, the fact that maybe there's so many things that we just didn't learn that maybe we could have learned or we could have done better. And I would hope to be able to let you learn from my own foolishness because after all this is leaning toward wisdom Yeah, you bet. I absolutely will let you know what's going on. Am I going to share all the gory details? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I have never been, I don't think I've never been as simultaneously excited and anxious, (laughs) I I'm just true confession. I'm excited for a lot of things and I'm anxious about a lot of things and some of that just comes with age. Growing old is not for the faint of heart. It just isn't. But I wouldn't go back. I would not go back for all the tea in China. There's just no way. I'm quite happy to be where I'm at. And I'm quite thankful to be in the situation that I'm in. I'm quite thankful to have the opportunities that I have. I'm not even totally displeased with the challenges that I have. There's an awful lot that I would love to change, but most of those don't hinge on me because it's not my life. I see people and I see decisions and I see poor choices. And I see all kinds of travail, problems and struggles and pain and suffering caused by colossal selfishness. And oh yeah, I got big regrets. I wish, I wish people would lean more toward wisdom and away from their own foolishness, but they don't always. And in spite of the podcast and any efforts that we may put forth, including in our own lives. The ninny can just overwhelm us all. leaningtowardwisdom.com is the website. I'm Randy Kentro. You know you can connect with me over at LinkedIn. Connect with com. See how easy that is? Greetings and welcome. Inside the Yellow Studio. You stayed all the way to the end. Good for you. Today is Father's Day, June the 19th, 2022. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'll end today's show with a statement by Theodore Roosevelt. There are many kinds of success in life worth having. It is exceedingly interesting and attractive to be a successful businessman or railway man or farmer or a successful lawyer or doctor or a writer or a president or a ranchman or the colonel of a fighting regiment or to kill grizzly bears and lions but for unflagging interest and enjoyment a household of children if things go reasonably well certainly makes all other forms of success and achievement lose their importance by comparison happy father's day